What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Joined, as always, Monday mornings mean mock draft Mondays. I got Mellow and Connor. That's a lot of alliteration there. It is, and it is draft season. It is also allergy season, so I will probably be coughing my lungs all the way through this podcast, but we are here on another fabulous Monday to talk to you guys about mock drafts. Yet another mock draft. Um, Not a ton changing except one big note coming out of Seattle. Very curious to see what happens with this Russell uh, Russell Wilson situation that we're going to talk about. We're going to keep updating you guys of who we think your favorite team is taking in the first round, starting from pick one. All the way to pick 32, we will limit uh, some of the Chiefs, Jets, and Niners <laughs> yeah, we, talk. We heard your the feedback. folks upset. We have heard your feedback, and we're cool with it. But uh, I'll let Matt take it away for some of our draft week and weekend plans. Yeah, don't forget, guys, Tuesday of draft week, we're going to be throwing an event in the Bleacher Report office with our partner, Manscaped. And it's going to be a fun time. We're going to have an open bar. We're going to have food, a photo booth. You get to hang out with Connor and I while we record the podcast. We're going to uh, be up there like showing you guys kind of how we do things, but also interact with you. It'll be like a tailgate tour stop. So if you haven't been to one of those, this will be fun. It is 21 and up because of the open bar aspect of it, but this will happen right at our midtown offices at 50th and Broadway in New York city. So if you're close by get there Tuesday night at 6 PM and I will have information really soon uh, on Twitter and we'll announce it here on the show, how you guys can sign up for that. Uh, But it's going to be a fun event. I'm excited because I'm also just a huge fan of manscaped. So I'm going to like take a couple gift bags home. It's got to be one of the products that we've had on the show as sponsors that I'm most excited about. I know that we've had some great sponsors throughout our time here. Uh, This was one that I actually looked into purchasing myself and then was told, maybe just hold off a a little bit on that one. Might be able to get you hooked up, and they definitely did. Yeah, and then Connor... Thursday night, starting with round one of the NFL draft, you, Adam Lefko, and myself will be breaking down, analyzing every pick, giving you our our feedback, our analysis on the value, the fit, player comps. We're going to grade the picks. So rounds one, two, three, you get great analysis from myself, Connor, and Adam Lefko. Rounds four and five, we're bringing Mello in, uh, calling in the reliever, and we're going to give you guys a stick-to-football-style coverage of day three of the draft. So breaking down those picks, you know, those round four and five guys that can become impact players then Connor and I will grade every team's draft for you on video. So big plans for draft coverage that you can find on Bleacher Report's Twitter, Bleacher Report's YouTube, and the BR app. So they're all three free to watch. No commercial breaks. None of the stuff that you don't like from draft coverage. Just actual analysis of every pick. But guys, let's get into, I think, maybe the biggest news outside of Tiger Woods winning the Masters, which was amazing. It actually got me to watch golf. The biggest news is that there's been this back and forth. Russell Wilson is like the IRS, man. He told the Seahawks, I want a new deal by April 15th, which is April 15th. When you're listening to this show, boys and girls, and unless a deal was done after we stopped recording, Wilson's imaginary deadline has been met, if not passed. And he hasn't been real clear on where he wants to go, but the Seahawks have now told bleacher, or excuse me, told pro football talk. I wish they told us that Russell Wilson would like to play elsewhere. You got the honey badger, Tyron Matthew tweeting out that Russ wants to get to New York guys. Connor, I want you to jump in first on this, man. What, what is your first thought when you see this? You know what? I'm not as, as dumb as it sounds. I'm not as surprised as I should have been really when it comes down to it, because I've over the last two years, I've heard that Seattle still scouts quarterbacks thoroughly and that they've explored different ways of moving around the first round. And I don't think they're terribly surprised that it's come down to this. Now, I have no answers of why they aren't willing to simply just extend Russell Wilson, pay him as the top five quarterback that he is. I mean, I think this is very simple in my eyes. And if you're Russ, I kind of understand why he might be looking to move on elsewhere after the deadline, because it truly does set the point. It's put up or shut up time. But like I said, for whatever reason, I've heard legitimate, legitimate rumblings over the last year or two that Seattle still scouts quarterbacks. They still always think about ways to get up, to move up to the top of the draft if this day came. Now I'm curious to see how fast this actually plays out because my biggest takeaway is, is who gets involved. And you have to assume teams like the New York giants that have two first round picks would want to get involved. I think Oakland, depending how they view Derek Carr, which nobody can really understand at this moment right now, I think Oakland would be a great landing spot for Russell Wilson. They've shown that they're willing to spend money. They're willing to get weapons. They want to rebuild this offensive line, and they've begun to do so. And I think Russell Wilson and John Gruden would be a really interesting pairing. So 
I, I, and then of course there's dark horse teams. Like, I, I don't know if the Bengals could make the move, but with a young offensive head coach there, they're going to need a superstar quarterback. Would they make a call and, and, you know, sell off a couple of their future drafts? So I, like I said, I'm not blown away that the drama has picked up here. I just can't really figure out what Seattle's doing. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> Right, that's how it makes you feel. Going back to Seattle, though, I think what their thought process is is something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast here. It is very difficult to build your team around an expensive quarterback. It's pretty darn easy to build your team around a really good quarterback who's also on a rookie wage scale. We've seen the Seahawks do it before with Russell Wilson when they were able to win some Super Bowls, and this guy was one of the lowest-paid quarterbacks in all of the league. I think that's maybe something they're looking back to doing is that they can't pay Russell Wilson all this money and build a team. But maybe if they can find a guy and get that five-year window with a good young quarterback, maybe they can build a team around him, and you're going to have to move on from Russell Wilson and able to do that. I will say uh, a lot of thoughts about this. I'll, I'll try to keep them condensed. So we're not here for an hour talking about this before we get into the round one mock. But I will say this. If you're Dave Gettleman and you have bungled this offseason so poorly, you know, you let Landon Collins walk. You trade Oda Beckham Jr. for basically nothing. This could be your saving grace that you go get Russell Wilson. If he wants to be in New York, you better call and offer 6, 17, 37 and a pick next year and get this deal done. Because like Connor said, this is a top five quarterback who wants to be in New York. His wife is a recording artist. She's a model. I'm sure she would rather be in New York than Seattle. He's a great player. He's a great character person. There are no question marks about Russell Wilson. And I think his personality would do very well with the media there. Like, he can handle it. He's done it before. He's also low-key enough, kind of like Eli Manning, that he's not going to go out and get himself in trouble in New York. Right. Uh, so I do like that fit there, and I think you're right. If they can give up 6, 17, 37, I think maybe a one second, or two next, next year. year. Yeah, I and mean, it's going to be a lot. Here's what I'll say on the other side of this, though, because I, you guys know if you listen to this podcast that I'm like pro-trade everyone, but if you're John Schneider or Pete Carroll, you found a Hall of Fame quarterback in the third round. Mm-hmm. That's your meal ticket. You don't really let those guys go away. I mean, you get emotionally attached to your hits as a GM, as a head coach. And I know I, our guy, Jim Nagy, who's worked in Seattle with these guys, has said the same thing. Like, you don't just trade away a player that you found in the third round and became a Super Bowl winning quarterback and a top five player disposition. It's harder to do that. So it is something that we're going to monitor. I'm sure Connor and I will have a big update on it on the Wednesday morning show. Once we get past this April 15th deadline and actually know what's going on, boys. But let's get into the mock draft because that is what the people are here for. Um, No trades in this one. We will each take turns as GM and it's round one. Pick one. Connor's on the clock with the Arizona Cardinals. And this is what we think will happen, not what we would do. I know that always needs clarified. Well, first off, I want to say thank you to you guys for giving me the first overall pick because on Game of Thrones return day, I don't have to put any thought into this. It's Kyler Murray. Um, If you're listening to the show, we've been saying that since January. If something else happens, we will own it, but I think this one will get done. And uh, We could talk a lot on draft night and after about Kyler Murray's exciting fit with Arizona because I think he's going to be awesome with Cliff Kingsbury, but for now... There's just not much left to be said about this one. No, we go back and listen to the last three months of the show. If you need any any other evaluation, I'm on the clock at two overall. Uh, we made a little bit of news Friday morning with me swapping Nick Bosa and Quentin Williams on my big board. So the 49ers are sitting here with my top player still on the board of Quentin Williams, guys. But I'm still going with Nick Bosa. This is the pick I've heard for them throughout. I would not be upset with either of these players, but we're kind of going straight chalk here. Again, it's what we think will happen. It's what we're hearing. And I think Nick Bosa would be the fit because they do have D Ford on a one-year deal that could become a long-term deal. They're moving to more of a wide nine defense. They have DeForest Buckner up front. They more likely are going to go after the edge rusher with the positional value over an interior guy. Yeah, I agree with you too. Even with Quinn and still sitting here with Connor's New York Jets, I think they're still going to go edge rusher with Josh Allen. He's too good on the edge, and that is a very big need for the Jets. So I think they're going to go Josh Allen. I don't know if I would. Uh, Quinn Williams, like Matt said, is very good. But Josh Allen fills the exact need that you tried to fill with guys like Barr and, and through the free agency process. They haven't been able to do that. So I think you have to go there on draft night and go with Josh Allen at number three. And again, we're doing this without trades. So even if you were to say they might try to trade this pick, I know Connor has been vocal yep. about he thinks that's what will happen. No trade here. So it's Josh Allen. For much for as much as I've you know criticized the Josh Allen at three pick, I will say it gives the Jets 
a fun front seven with hybrid linebackers, like versatile players in that defense where Josh Allen is a guy that is a speed rusher, but he can also run and cover. So mm-hmm. I would be curious to see that fit under Greg Williams. Next up, Oakland Raiders. This is perfect for them. I think they'd be celebrating if this happened. Quinn and Williams is still on the board at four overall. I think they sprint to the podium. I've been saying for months that I think this pick is Quinn and Williams or Devin White. And in this scenario, it just has to be Quinn and Williams. They get a superstar for their defensive line. Yeah, I love this pick. And this is one, Connor, and I've told you guys before, I've heard that for them, it is expected to be Quinn and Williams or Devin White is who they think will be the pick. Uh, I'm up here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five. I, I think this could be a difficult team to figure out unless this happens. Then Devin White's on the board. Go ahead and take him. He is, in my opinion, better than Roquan Smith was last year where he was drafted six overall by the Chicago Bears. I like Devin better. Amazing athlete. Worked very hard with his awareness, his instincts, his read and react skills. You lose Quan Alexander. Devin White is a better athlete, a better tackler, a better middle linebacker across the board. Yeah, and I have to be doing something right because this is the way my top five mock is working out too. Just perfectly here. Uh, number six, we've talked about the New York Giants and how great they are so much on this show. What I think they are going to do is they're going to pass on a quarterback. There's a lot of buzz coming around about edge rushers, and I just feel that's where they're going to go. I'm going to go with Rashawn Gary here. Again, this is just what I think is going to happen. I think they go Gary, and then they try to wait, and they see who's available at pick 17. Or if some other quarterbacks start to come off the board, maybe they use some of those assets, and they can trade back up and get a quarterback. But I think at number six, they really like Rashawn Gary and what he can do uh, for this front seven. That one wouldn't surprise me at all. Him or Montez Sweat really seemed to fit the bill there for the Giants at six. Number seven, Jacksonville Jaguars. I I side with Matt that Jawan Taylor is very, very much in play here. I could see them wanting to continue to build that offensive line. I'm going to go a different road here just for the sake of it, because I think it is between Taylor and this player. TJ Hawkinson, they get a franchise tight end. He can block really well as a run blocker or pass protector, and he's a great pass catcher, especially underneath for Nick Foles here. So Hawkinson at seven. Some people will say it's early for a tight end, but this is a very, very safe pick for that Jacksonville offense. And I'll say, man, looking at this offense with Jeff Swaim and Ben Koyak, like they don't have a tight end. You could argue that Cedric Abuehi and Will Richardson could go, could fight it out at right tackle. And they have AJ Can, they have Brandon Linder, they have Andrew Norwell and Cam Robinson. The offensive line's not as bad as this group of pass catchers is. So I actually like that pick a lot, Connor. Uh, I am up here, guys, the Detroit Lions. This is actually a tough spot because of how active they've been in free agency. Now, obviously, bringing in Trey Flowers. They bring in Jesse James, Logan Thomas at tight end. Uh, I probably would have considered TJ Hawkinson here. But I think looking at this defense and looking at the roster of what Matt Patricia hopes that he can build, build here and what they will be, I'm going to take Ed Oliver. I could see Matt Patricia looking at Ed Oliver and saying, all right, you might not be Aaron Donald but you're pretty damn close and you might be Gerald McCoy and you might be Geno Atkins. And those dudes have been yep. wrecking the NFL for 10 years. So I'll take that interior push to pair with Trey flowers to pair with a Sean Robinson. I know they have snacks. Harrison as their nose tackle, but I think Ed Oliver could play whether you want him to play defensive end, defensive tackle, wherever he's just going to line up and, and be a problem for offenses. And that's what Patricia had in his time with the Patriots. I think that's a great fit there. And Matt, you always say it, time is a flat circle. Jonah Williams still sitting on the board right here. He's going to be the number one offensive lineman taken in this draft, as he should be by the Buffalo Bills at pick number nine. It's too perfect of a fit. You need to protect Josh Allen. Go get the best offensive lineman in this class. I don't care if he's a guard, a center, or a tackle. He's an ass kicker, and he's going to help your franchise grow, especially with such a young nucleus. I know they spent some money in free agency on the O-line, but I still think there's a hole there for Jonah Williams to slide in and make a tremendous, tremendous impact on that front. So I think that's perfect for the Bills. That's perfect value and a perfect fit. Number 10, Denver Broncos. No surprises here. I think if Drew Locke falls to 10, which is no guarantee, but if he does, I think this is the pick for the Broncos. I'm I'm fascinated to see them debate between Locke and Haskins in this spot, but I think the I don't even think it's smoke. I think John Elway really does believe this is his guy if he doesn't have to move up to get him. So the Broncos taking another swing on a big armed athletic quarterback. We'll see how this one goes. Here's what's interesting, guys. Eight of my top ten is off the board right now. So it's it's like it's sticking to even like the talent. Like I don't I don't see other than maybe Rashawn Gary a reach here in in this top ten that we mocked out. Yeah, so no doubt. Yeah, I'm excited to get to pick eleven. I'll be on the clock with the Cincinnati Bengals. So y'all stick around for that. We'll be back right after this. 
All right, guys, I am back on the clock with the cheapest franchise in football, the Cincinnati Bengals at 11 overall. A lot of times in our mock draft, we've seen players like Devin Bush go here. We've seen Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver's off the board. Devin Bush is still there, and I did consider him strongly. But, guys, you cannot go forward with Andy Dalton as your quarterback. I'm taking Dwayne Haskins here. I actually think he's a really good fit for what we'll see Matt LaFleur, or excuse me, Zach Taylor bring in as the head coach. All those damn Sean McVay disciples, I get them confused. I think he fits that. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the greatest downfield thrower. Look what Jared Goff did in LA in that system. It is a lot of dink and dunk. It's finding guys underneath. It's timing routes. I happen to think Haskins can thrive in that. And because Dalton's there, you don't have to rush him onto the field as a one-year starter in college. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to bring up is that a lot of people think Haskins would maybe be better suited as a guy who sits for a year. And I think that the coaching staff probably does want to go get their guy at quarterback, but why not just sitting behind Andy Dalton and let him learn? Uh, You also talked about Devin Bush, and I'm up at pick number 12. I think the Green Bay Packers go here. With TJ Hawkinson already off the board, I'm going to go Devin Bush just, just to shore up this defense. I know they've really tried to address it via free agency, bringing in some uh, members of the secondary, some edge rushers. Go get that guy who can be your middle of the li- middle of the defense, middle linebacker, lead your crew, and maybe even uh, help Aaron Rodgers out so he doesn't have to score so many damn points. <laughs> that would give Green Bay a franchise linebacker for the next 10 years. And and even this is even undersold aspect of Bush's game. He was the captain of that Michigan defense, not Chase Winovich, not Rashawn Gary, not David Long. Those guys are all great players. It was Devin Bush. He's the dude. So you bring him into Green Bay there. I, I think it's perfect. 13, the Miami Dolphins kind of in a rebuild here. I think they would love to move this pick. I don't think they'll be able to because as you've seen in this mock draft, the top three quarterbacks are already gone. So who's coming up for who? If they do sit here, they'll take Montez Sweat. I could see this being a Flores kind of guy for the defense. He could probably turn into a 10-sack-per-year player, good athlete outside, high effort, and I think he's a good run defender too. So, sure, it's not the flashiest pick. It's not a Nick Bosa or a Quinn and Williams or a quarterback, but when you're trying to build a foundation, which Miami will do on the defensive side of the ball, this is a guy that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he really does. And I, you were doing this off air and we're like, oh, yeah, he fits. And I wanted to be like, yeah, he fits really, really well, dude. I, I think that's a huge need for them. And not taking a quarterback is smart because we all believe they're going to take one next year. Uh, I'm up here with 14, the Atlanta Falcons. And I, I think Atlanta is a team that we've maybe struggled to narrow down where they will go because, you know, they could go defensive tackle. They could go. They could, honestly, they could go linebacker. They could go corner. They could go a lot of different spots here. I think one thing that I have overlooked is. Their need at right tackle. Ty Sambrello is not the dude. He's just not. Uh, if you watch him in Denver, you know this. So why not go Jawan Taylor? Why not grab a plug and play starting right tackle? Jawan Taylor, there's been some talk. Maybe he plays on the left side. I think just draft him and let him play right tackle. You have a great combo here with Jake Matthews and Jawan Taylor as your bookends to keep Matt Ryan healthy. And we've done so many of these mock drafts. I actually, this is like the first pick that surprises me. I think this is the first time we've had uh, Jawan Taylor fall this low in a long time. And I don't think we've ever had the Falcons taking him. Uh, but I do like what you have to say there, Matt. Just go ahead and sure up those two uh, tackle spots. Keep Matt Ryan a little healthy. Maybe that keeps Julio Jones happy as well. And now I'm up with pick number 15 and the Washington Redskins. Obviously, my boy Daniel Jones is sitting here and everybody knows the Washington Redskins need a quarterback but they're going to wait. They're going to go with Brian Burns, the edge rusher. I think there's a lot of needs here. Uh, I would rather get my hands on one of these edge rushers, especially with Brian Burns being one of the last ones available uh, with first-round talent, than to get the fourth-best quarterback in this class. I think once you get into that territory, you better really do some scouting and make sure this guy can be your franchise quarterback because once you get to that four, five, six range, uh, there's a lot of bust potential. So if I, the Washington Redskins here, I think they're going to go with an edge rusher. Yeah, and miss out on a quarterback. So that's obviously, I think they would be the team that would be calling to get Josh Rosen if this is how the draft plays out. They're simply in a really tough spot to to turn around that quarterback hole in one year. Maybe they get creative. We'll see. Carolina Panthers, so this is the tipping point of the draft. I'm just going to be as honest as I can. 16, you look at the board and you go, Carolina could use really an edge pass rusher. I don't know if I see one that fits here. I, I would love to take Cleveland Farrell. I don't think that happens. Then you look at, you know, whether it's interior defensive line or linebacker or even a top offensive lineman like Jonah Williams, a versatile piece like that, or Jawan Taylor could fit there, but they're gone. It's such a tough spot for the Panthers. So I'm going to go with Greedy Williams here because I don't think his fall should be as bad as 
as we're led to believe. I don't think he'll go at the end of the first. So this might seem like a little bit of a reach on him, but he's a long corner that, you know, he can play off the man. He can play press. And I think he's coachable. I like Greedy Williams for that Panthers defense. Load up on corners, build a very strong secondary and keep this thing moving rather than reaching for a different position. Connor, do you think like when you look at the board, you have Cody Ford and Andre Dillard on the board. What yep. like, is that hard for you? Because that we've heard, it was very hard. We've been, I, all I can't told. take Dillard at 16. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be shocked if it happens in the draft. Cody, it, this pick came down to Cody Ford or Greedy Williams. It was as simple as yeah. that, because I think Cody Ford could step in and play left guard for them right away. I know he played right tackle last year, but they've tried Turner at right guard. I think they would be looking for him to play right uh, left guard. It's just when it comes down to it, I I just believe in Greedy's talent in the spot. Yeah, I like that. Calling your shot a little bit. He would be fun with like Dante Jackson, um, who I really like. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be okay with me. Uh, the New York Giants. I'm up here at 17, and if they don't trade these picks for Russell Wilson, I think they do have to take a quarterback after grabbing Rashawn Gary at number six overall. It is Daniel Jones from Duke here, and I will say, when we do mock drafts, our biases definitely come into play because things like Oh, we've heard Cincinnati might take a quarterback. I automatically assume that would be Dwayne Haskins because I like him more than Daniel Jones. But there are enough smart people in the NFL right now, guys, telling us that it actually might be Daniel Jones, who's the second or third quarterback come off the board. Everyone here would agree he shouldn't be, but he certainly could be. So keep that in mind. Daniel Jones could be here at 17. This could be Nathan Peterman stuff all over again. I understand that. It really could be. But there is at least enough talk. And and I do think he'll be... (laughs) A first round pick, excuse me, but yeah, I'm buying. Um, it. If he's there at 17, it definitely fits what the Giants have seemingly wanted to do, which is is draft an heir to Eli Manning instead of going and getting someone to to take his spot right now. Yeah, I agree with you too, and I just I think that's their plan, and the way they kind of have their board built is to take an edge rusher and then hope that Daniel Jones falls to him. And after the Washington Redskins, I mean, they should be in good position. Hey, can there. you imagine if they actually got Dwayne Haskins at 17? I, like, it seems unlikely. I mean, we saw him fall to 11. But today, if they though. got Rashawn Gary and Dwayne Haskins, I would have to say a lot of really nice things about Dave Gettleman on I'll this podcast. I'll say this. Everything I've heard is that Haskins won't make it past the Redskins. That's good. But you never know. Yeah. You never know. Maybe the Giants trust, would be like, smart the, enough to know that. The people in Washington, though, are like so crazy that it would be like Doug Williams just be like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't true. want to do that anymore. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Let's move on, though, to pick number 18, which I think is a very easy one. Minnesota's got to go with the best all-around offensive lineman, and Cody Ford is the guy. I think that this is a pick that we make almost every week. It's just Perfect. one that it makes too much sense. They desperately need offensive lineman and I don't think they're going to target a guy like Dillard here I think they would rather get somebody who can be an ass kicker as a run blocker as well maybe even play some guard so I'm going Cody Ford still we've heard back from some of the fans too and they they like what they have at tackle I don't know if the team does but I think the fans feel better about the tackle position than the guard position so and even if you want Ford could probably play right tackle but I love him there as a guard so 19 Tennessee Titans, little hat tip to Matt for this one because he's been kind of linking Hollywood Brown here. At, this is the earliest we feel Hollywood Brown can go. So the Titans have taken swings at receiver in recent drafts, but they really still need a vertical guy. And Hollywood, medical rechecks sound like they went really well. He might be ready or earlier than we thought. He has great, great tape, amazing speed. I love what he can do after the catch and his ability to separate and fight for the football is really impressive. So the Titans, they took Corey Davis fifth overall. I don't yeah. see what's stopping them from taking Hollywood Brown, who I think is a better prospect at 19. I think they're the same agent, even, from remembering right. My brain's a little jumbled right now. Uh, I'm up at 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Connor literally stole Greedy Williams from me. This is where I always put Greedy. I think this is yep. where the run on corners could start. We kicked it off a little early, so I had to I had to think on my feet and look at this roster and I almost went, you ready for draft night. Right. Thank you. I almost went offensive tackle Andre Dillard, but I don't think he can play right tackle. And that's where their need exists. So I'm going to go Noah Fant. The Steelers actually don't have good tight ends. And they didn't even before they lost Jesse James to free agency. Now it's like you have Vance McDonald and Xavier Grimble. Like these guys can't play tight end. Put Noah Fant in this offense, though. And oh, my goodness. They would take off. They just lost a very big target for them in Antonio Brown. So I think that that fills another need that Ben Roethlisberger is going to have. you got to find him targets to throw to. And Noah Fant might be the best one in this draft 
uh, depending on how you compare him to TJ Hawkinson. We are back, boys, for Mock Draft Monday. Mello, you are on the clock, 21 Seattle Seahawks. But first, I forgot I buried the lead so bad this week. We have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, an interview that I did last week. So just me and J.J. talking football, basketball, Spain, Stanford having a weak logo, mascot, all that stuff. <laughs> I brought it up. It's like your logo is really weak. Your mascot is a tree. Come on, dude. Yeah, it's probably one of the worst ones in all of college sports. Maybe just all of sports. Like It's, a it's tree. bad. Like, come on. Yeah. All right, I am so bad it's good. (laughs) I like their like cartoon mascot, like the one that's on the sideline. Like, just embrace it. It's a tree. They dress it up. Whatever, cool. Number twenty one overall, though the Seattle Seahawks. I really had no idea what I was going to do here. A lot of the players that I had in mind just got taken. Uh, So I'm going to go with edge rusher, which maybe is not the biggest need for the Seattle Seahawks. But I don't think they address corner here, not with a guy like Greedy gone. Uh, I don't think they go safety here because we've seen the value of some of these safeties drop drastically. Uh, so I am going to go edge rusher with Cleveland Furl. I really like his game. He's one of my favorite edge rushers uh, in this class. He's the last one that I think will go in the first round. And I think that he can really uh, do some damage there off the edge, especially in a 4-3 defense with his his good length and that quick first step coming in for Seattle. And I'll say they actually do need an edge rusher because, I mean, they yep. got Frank Clark locked up on the yep. franchise tag, but after that, there's not much going on there. Cleveland fits and that really well. To piggyback off that, I've heard that it's no guarantee Frank Clark shows up for camp on the franchise tag. Would not so, surprise no. me. Man, it how shouldn't surprise anyone for Seattle would it be that like they rebuilt on the fly pretty well last year and got competitive again, and then you lose arguably your two best players if they trade Russ and if Frank Clark doesn't come in. Like, see how Bobby, yeah. Bobby Wagner's great. I love Bobby Wagner. Uh, but Puna Ford, hello. Yeah, make people oh, cry. That's right. <laughs> people forget top five Seahawk, Puna Ford. Yeah. So yes. that's, yeah, that pick could definitely make some sense there. 22 Baltimore Ravens. I think I've done this one before, but A.J. Brown, I love his fit there. Pretty much love everything about his game. What he could do after the catch, what he could do as a blocker. I, I think he's pretty physical into his routes and attacking the football once again. So, I mean, I think he's very comparable to Quincy Anunua, but I think he has a little more upside and he's he's healthy, which is always great. That's something Anunua has struggled with in recent years. So I think the Ravens, they got to get targets that fit Lamar Jackson's game, which is going to be a lot of extending the plays and looking for receivers working back to the football. And I just think A.J. Brown is perfect for that. Yeah, I think he is too. And they need a receiver help. They need big guys for sure. And um, he's definitely physical. I've heard the one thing I've heard for them is Garrett Bradbury. So I would be interested to see if they they would go with a center or if they you know try to get Lamar Jackson some targets. So I am up here. 23, the Houston Texans. This is a popular one. Andre Dillard, left tackle, Washington State. We talked about him a little bit earlier. I could see him actually going pretty early in this draft uh, just because of the need for tackles. He's very athletic. And he has that trait that, you know, some of the other guys don't. Like Jonah Williams doesn't have the size of Andre Dillard. Cody Ford doesn't have the ability to play left tackle. So he could push him up, but he's here for Houston. And they desperately need this. Again, it's been a popular pick for us. So the fact that they have someone that can come in and play left tackle. I'm not a believer in Julian Davenport. I'm sure as hell not a believer in Matt Khalil. Uh, they def- they need somebody keeping Deshaun Watson's backside clean. I, I agree with you, and I think the Texans are going to look at this guy and say, okay, he doesn't run block that well, but we can develop that. He is an exceptional in the pass um, pass blocking, so we'll develop that run run blocking if we need to. Number 24, the Oakland Raiders are up, and they already took Quinnen Williams in the first round with pick number four. I'm going to stay defensive side of the ball. Uh, we haven't seen very many corners come off the board, but I think Byron Murphy's a good fit here. Uh, keep him on the West Coast. You got a lot of very good, talented receivers there in the AFC West. You need somebody that can come in and guard them, and I'm going to give them By- Byron Murphy to try to help out with that. I love when you get a top 20 player at pick 24, especially at a position of need. I think Byron Murphy right in this range for the Raiders would be a stellar pick for their secondary. Speaking of that, 25 Eagles, my guy Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, He could play safety. He could play nickel. He could do a lot of different things. And I think he got so much better this year from sophomore to junior year. So the Eagles, they've just been really great at team building over the years, plugging and playing, whether it's trades, whether it's drafting. And I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, this is great value for him. And it gives them an impact player as they look to make their way back to another Super Bowl. So I'm a big fan of him in this spot. Yeah, that's your guy. And, And he is the first safety off the board. 
in this draft. Wow. Which I, I think would be uh, a mild yeah. surprise, but could definitely happen. Uh, I'm on the clock here, guys. 26 overall. The Indianapolis Colts. And if you've followed this podcast for very long, you know who I'm going to pick here. It's Jeffrey Simmons. They come back on the clock again at 34. So the Colts and Chris Ballard have the ability to take kind of a draft and, and stash guy who might not be ready for 2019, but will absolutely be ready for 2020. And in my opinion, is a top five player in this draft. So get him at 26 at 34. There's going to be corners on the board. There's going to be some safeties. There's going to be a, whatever they want to do to address this team. There's going to be wide receivers. The guy like Nikhil Harry could be there at 34. So I, I wouldn't rush to, to fill a need here. I think you take a BPA and a guy that once you get him locked up and you definitely want him as a first rounder for that five-year deal, get Jeffrey Simmons and 2020 to 2024, you're going to have one of the best defensive tackles in football. I agree with you. And I really like this pick and you know, he's not going to miss like the whole season. I don't think, I think he comes back late in the year, ready to uh, provide something to a defense. And I think the Colts should be in the playoffs. Yeah, they will be playing. So I think we're going to see Jeffrey Simmons, not for 16 games, uh, but at least maybe in the playoffs and towards the end of the season, he can come in, get his snaps and help that defense get, get his team over the top and into the playoffs and and maybe even have some more success next year than they did this year. Oakland Raiders up at number 27. The strategy that I think they're going to go with here, I do think they go with defense uh, with probably their first two picks, but then they're definitely going to address some kind of offensive weapon. Uh, I could even see them going receiver here, maybe if one of the two tight ends falls. But right now I'm going to go Josh Jacobs. They desperately need a running back. And he is a value, I think, at the end of the first round here. I do like David Montgomery maybe a little bit better, but a lot of people love Josh Jacobs and what he can do. And you need somebody like that that can just carry the rock for you on this offense so that you can help Derek Carr. You can get the ball out to A.B. and some of these other guys, and you've already addressed defense. So Josh Jacobs here at pick number 27. So you run it back, and the Raiders, with their three picks, got Quinn and Williams, Byron Murphy, and Josh Jacobs. Who are all top 20 players for me. Oh, uh, yeah. That's just, I mean, you got to be dancing. And you're still picking 34th. When draft day comes around, I don't think people will be laughing at the Raiders anymore. I think they've kind of moved on and we've forgotten about Khalil Mack and and what they've done. And they're going to come away with a very nice haul here with two picks at the end of the first round. Those three guys are ready to not only start right away, but be Pro Bowl level potential talents right away, which is really exciting. 28, Los Angeles Chargers. I went with Dalton Reisner here. When we were off air, I was discussing with the guys, do I go Christian Wilkins again, help their defensive line? Do you get a versatile offensive line piece? Reisner started out as a center, played right tackle. I personally believe he's a guard at the next level that can play those other spots in a pinch. At the end of the day, this just helps the Chargers, who have had some bad luck injuries, of course, everywhere, but really on the offensive line in recent years. And I don't think you have to worry about that with Reisner here. Yeah, I like Reisner, and we have seen, uh, no pun intended, a bit of a rise for him uh, in this <laughs> draft sure. process. Um, you know, good senior bowl, and, and again, time's a flat circle. This is a dude that we liked in season a lot, and then you get into, like, the mix of, oh, senior bowl combine, maybe he's not, you know, super athletic, maybe he's not as big as we want, but it's a really good player, and that's that's what the Chargers need up front. This puts me in an interesting position at 29 overall with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, there are corners on How the board. Interesting. <laughs> there are edge rushers on the board, but I'm taking Garrett Bradbury for all the reasons we've told you before when this could become stick to the Chiefs. They need to protect Pat Mahomes. They have to protect him up front. If Garrett Bradbury's on the board, I would take him. If he's not, that's where I think you look at a DeAndre Baker. You have a long conversation about Jalen Ferguson to try to fill some needs, but the draft is supposed to be about getting the best players that can help you long-term. They could build a team. And for the Chiefs, you you got to keep the MVP healthy. I totally agree with you. Pick number 30, the Green Bay Packers here. We already gave them a middle linebacker in Devin Bush. And I cannot believe that this guy is still sitting here. We almost let him fall out of the first round completely. You want an offensive target. You want a guy that can stretch the field. DK Metcalf and Aaron Rodgers throwing that deep ball is going to look very nice for any Green Bay Packer fan. Keep Aaron Rodgers happy. Give him maybe one of the best targets in this entire draft. I mean, the guy's six foot four, two thirty, runs a four three. He's he's unreal, and you can get him here at pick thirty overall. And they've been linked. I to would him. love that. I would love to see him in Green Bay's offense. And it does seem a little crazy to see him fall to thirty, but there are teams with some injury concerns about DK. So, which shouldn't really surprise anyone. So, I don't think I don't think he's going in the top fifteen. 
But this would be quite the fall. But God, would that be an awesome landing spot? A lot of fun. Another one, 31 Los Angeles Rams. I like to, I used to say my Rams, or at least my NFC team here. Jonathan Abram, they obviously lose Mark Barron. I think Jonathan Abram can play a similar role in that defense. He's got awesome, awesome character makeup, his attitude, he's physical. I think he could actually handle a few more roles than he was even given at Mississippi State. So the Rams are just going to look for pro-ready players to try to get back into a very deep playoff run, and Abram fits the bill for them here. He does, and I, I like him so much, man. He's such a physical player, and I, I, I'm with you. I think he can be more versatile than we saw him be at Mississippi State, so I, I really, really like that one. That puts me on the clock, 32 overall. Uh, you know what's weird, guys? I got to pick for each of my favorite teams. All of them. Weird. <laughs> it's weird. Thanks to whoever made this You're order. Welcome. I didn't I, do it this I week. Built it me. this week. Good job, Mello. <laughs> so number 32 overall, the New England Patriots. And it, this, again, like there is a tough spot here because there's some good corners on the board. Taylor Rapp's out there. Safety. I got to take Christian Wilkins. I'm frankly surprised that he's still on the board just because he's not great at any one thing, but he's incredibly high character. He's a good player, a very solid player in all phases of the game from defensive tackle. He fits, I think, what the Patriots want up front. Uh, he can come in, be that three technique. He can slide around a little bit if you need him to in some sub-package roles or odd fronts. But I really like Christian Wilkins. Again, high-character guy, and, and they're not great up front. I don't know if you have noticed that. They're really not good at defensive tackle. They got Mike Pennell, Lawrence Guy, David Perry. I, I don't know that the, the common fan has heard most of these names, and they they just don't have anyone that can really be that that difference maker. You know, they drafted Malcolm Brown out of Texas five years, four years ago, excuse me, and he didn't pan out. He's with the Saints now. So they they need a, a big presence at D-tackle. Yeah, he's just an overall, like, do whatever you want him to. He fits so many different roles. I think he can be more than just like a nose tackle or defensive tackle. I think he's a defensive weapon along that defensive line who just, he's going to come in and he's probably going to produce uh, very well, and he doesn't have to get used to losing because he's going from Clemson to the Patriots, which is very nice for him. Yeah, it's great. kind of interesting that Danny Shelton's still a free agent. Yeah, like I just realized that while going through this, you you know, you talk about some holes on their defensive line there. Not that he's the same player as Wilkins, but it's just interesting that he's been out there that long. Yeah, a guy that a lot of people really loved through that draft process. Yeah, jeez, reach. Yeah, big, big reach. Yeah, it's almost like maybe don't draft a nose tackle in uh, the twelfth, the, the first round. All right, that's our mock draft. We'll be back uh, with myself and JJ Arcega Whiteside. It's gonna be a fun one, and then we'll close this baby out. So we'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys. I am joined by one of the hottest names now in the 2019 draft class after a dominant pro day. Our guy JJ Arcega Whiteside, and man, you. You opened some eyes with that pro day when you came out running in the four fours. I don't think a lot of people had that. They were like, he's a four or five guy. Like he's a four or six guy. And you were like, no, I'm a four, four guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have been running four fours here at Stanford. Um, and you know, like my play style doesn't really reflect speed, uh, that often, which I could see why people said that. But, uh, yeah, when I, when I need to turn on the jets, I will. Yeah, and you definitely did. And I think you got like a stock boost after that. Did it feel like, not just in the media, you know, because like we overanalyze everything, but did it feel like the interest from teams kind of kicked up a little bit after the pro day? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I had a lot of interest from, you know, all 32 teams, really. Uh, and, you know, the feedback that I was getting from them was like, yeah, like we like you a lot. Um, the only box you haven't checked for is the speed. Uh, so we want to see, you know, how how um, fast you can ride in. You know, just about every team said that to me. It was like, yeah, we want to see how fast you really are because everything else you've checked off. Um, and then, you know, I was, for me, I'm like, well, that's exactly the, the box that, that uh, I would love to check off because, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, it's just running a straight line, and I've done it before. So, you know, there's no pressure there. Um, so, yeah, it was like, as soon as I did it, uh, I think I've got a, lo a lot more media buzz for sure. But uh, teams have been like, wow, like he said he was going to do it, and he actually did it. So, you know, what else is there to, to check off on them? Now, doing research on you, because we write these, like, detailed scouting reports, and then also for interviewing you, I, I noticed one thing stands out. You are the son of two basketball players. And as you know, like, everybody in football freaks out when you're, like, a multi-sport guy. But I want to ask about <laughs> mom and dad. Who's the better basketball player? Uh, well, well, first off, uh, you know, I got to say, you guys do an excellent job uh, doing, you know, all the research and all the interviewing. Uh, so I got to give a shout-out to y'all, but... Um, off the record, 
Uh, they, <laughs> both, the they both they both quit before I got good enough to beat them. So I was about 14, 15 years old, and they both were like, yeah, like, we're good. We're undefeated. We'll retire undefeated. Um, but from what they tell me, my mom was probably the better out of all three of us. I mean, did you ever, like, play horse to, like, do chores? You're like, well, if I could beat you a horse, I don't have to clean my room today. Like, I would have taken it there every chance I got. Oh, yeah, I took it there every chance I did, too. <laughs> we, uh, we was in the backyard, and we would we would play all day. It's like, oh, no, no, count best two out of three or best three out of five. Next thing you know, it's nighttime. We're all too tired to clean anything. We just got to go go to bed and go to school in the morning. It's that Stanford IQ. You had it even back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So definitely procrastinate by playing horse. I love that. So one of the comparisons that that I've made to you, and I've seen some other folks in the media say it too, is Juju Smith-Schuster, someone who was at USC not that long ago and is now tearing it up in the NFL. Is that when you look at at his game or other guys in the NFL? Is there someone that you kind of feel like you're watching? And you're like, yeah, that's that's the type of player that I am. Yeah, you know for sure. Like I, I, I watched Juju. We, we played against him and. uh you know, I thought he was a phenomenal player, uh, definitely like a freak athlete. Um, so even just being on the sidelines, being able to watch him, I, I told myself that there's just a type of receiver that I want to be. It's like him. Um, and then obviously watching him go and turn up in the NFL it made me want to be and emulate a lot of the things that he's doing. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, looking at the guys that are NFL right now, I, I see myself as a Mike Thomas. Um, you know, he's not the fastest, strongest, quickest, you know, freakishly athletic guy but he's just he's the best wide receiver on the field every time he takes the field um and you know he does all the things that he controls correctly um and then everything else just comes into play he catches every ball he runs every route smooth and crisp uh that's just kind of what i uh what i like to emulate when you see me on film and in the games you're not going to see a totally freak athlete out there playing football where you're going to see somebody who's smart and who does all the right things yeah, and that's uh, I love evaluating receivers, and that's one of my favorite things about your game is that uh, you you catch everything that's thrown your way. And you mentioned route running, and I wanted to ask, what's your favorite route to run? Because every receiver has one, and you know, it's like for some guys, it's like I want to run that skinny post, or you know, you, you got the big guys like they want to run go routes. But what's your like signature route? You know, it's uh, it's funny because like, I was labeled kind of you know the, the deep threat receiver, you know, the goal ball receiver, but. For me, you know, I'm just going to take it a step further. And you're probably going to hate this answer, but I, I want to score anything that's going to work. or gonna, <laughs> I want to run anything that's going to work on a defense. So it's cover three, cover four, cover two. You know, like every like I can say I want to go route, but if I'm running, I'm going against cover three. There's no use of running to go, you know? Right. No, that's smart. That's that's a more of an intuitive answer than a lot of people have given. You know, everybody's like, they want to run the go route or the you know, back shoulder fade, but yeah, running against the whatever the defense gives you actually takes me right into my next question for you. The Pac-12 has some fantastic defensive backs, not just this year with the guys out of like Washington uh, and, and you know even some players down in Southern California. But traditionally, the Pac-12 is very strong for DBs. Who's the the toughest one that you've had to go against? Because you're getting a lot of attention as the number one receiver for Stanford. Yeah, so um, I mean, you know, you you, you said it correctly like every every defensive back i play against um every weekend is going to be a great defensive back and defensive core but um you know i got to give it to uh, the guys up at uw their whole secondary is phenomenal you know you, you go up against them you got to you know bring your a game uh, the, the guys down in, in socal too uh, down at usc and those guys are, are, are pretty good too and uh like i think the best one you know one-on-one matchup that i've had was against julian love and you know i really respect this game from Notre dame um, you know, there's been some, some times where I win a lot. There's been some times where he wins a lot and it's back and forth. And, you know, he's kind of, like I said, um, earlier, like he, he just does all the things right. You know, he doesn't jump out on tape, uh, then he's just going to stick next to you. And, you know, playing against him, it's like, all right, like you gotta be really detailed against this guy because you, uh, he, he does everything correctly. Um, uh, so you just, whoever at the end of the day, who, the person that's going to win is, is who's going to want it more and who's, uh, more detailed in their process. Um, you know, we, we, I played against them three years in a row, and every single time it was a battle. So, yeah, I got to give it off to him. 
Yeah, and, and it's interesting you pick him because he's kind of a guy that, like yourself, I think people are doubting his speed. And then he worked out at the combine, and, and everybody's like, oh, wait a second. Like, he's actually faster than we expected. Um, so it, he's had uh, maybe not as much of a rise as you have, but a, but a similar one for sure. Now, uh, we asked people on Twitter for some questions for you. So these are kind of off the wall, but I got to ask them. So I'm going to keep our listeners happy. What is the hardest Let's class? What's the hardest class you took at Stanford? Probably Math 19. It's a calculus class, and I took that. I took that my freshman year, and the reason why I say it was the hardest class is because I never, I never finished it. It was like the only class <laughs> I didn't finish. I, I went through before I got that final grade. <laughs> Smart man. See, you are very intelligent. <laughs> uh, all right, next one from our listeners. They wanted to know: uh, Was Stanford being kind of an academic school? Do the students there bother the football players, or do you guys just kind of like float under the radar? Oh no, you know it's a it's a great community. Um, I think that Stanford is not a a place where you you expect to be you know held to a higher standard just because you're a football or athlete. In terms of like you go everywhere and people you know know your name, you know people like want to give you this, give you that, and you know kind of just you know just be like super friendly to you. Uh, Stanford is a place where everybody is like great in in what they do. You know, I've I've, I've had classes with people. I scored perfect ACT, ACTs uh, that, you know, came from celebrity backgrounds, uh, rich backgrounds, poor backgrounds that are just super smart and everything. And so it's like, you know, obviously uh, we're athletes, but when we get in the classroom, when we get in the, in the campus, you know, everybody's here for a certain purpose. And uh, like nobody gets in the way of each other of that. But at the same time, we all help and support each other. So it's definitely a unique place a different place uh, than usual, but that's what makes Stanford so great. All right, next one. And I I wish I could answer this for you because I bet that this didn't happen, but they want to know what's the weirdest question you got at the Combine. And I'm guessing you didn't get many because generally, <laughs> that I mean, like you know which guys are going to get the hard questions. They're usually the ones that have something in their background. Um, so mm-hmm. any weird questions uh, that you had to deal with? Yeah, there was a couple. Um, you know, I think everybody gets gets these two. Uh, one of them was like, if you were a cat or a dog, what would you be? And there's like a scale and it's like on one and it's cat and one and it's dog. And you have to say which one you are. Are you like in between? Are you cat or you dog? Obviously I said dog. I think that's the most common sense answer, but, uh, to, I don't, I mean, I'm like, how can you answer that question? Right. You know, but, uh, the next one was actually like a, a tricky question. It was a question. It was like, if you had to play the Super Bowl tomorrow, and your dad passed away, what would you do? And it was like, A, I would keep it to myself and play. B, I would tell my teammates and play. C, I would tell my coaches, the media and fans that I'm not going to play. D, I would just go home. And it's like, God, how do I, how do I answer oh, that wow. question? That one so is I'm, tough. It, yeah, that was, that was a tough question, and I don't even remember what I said. But uh, it's like, should I put the answer that I want to put or to put the answer – that they would want to hear. Um, so that was like definitely the, the toughest question, but you know, and it's, it's all like just to see how your mind works, you know, what, what kind of what kind of player, what kind of person you are. It's really not a wrong answer. It's cause everybody's different, but it's like, it's one of those questions that makes you think. What'd you say on the cat dog scale? Where were you at? Like all dog, like uh, all the yeah, way, all dog, a hundred percent. That that's what I would do. I can't. I wish I could remember who we had a player on, and they were like, because I was like, well, you got to say you're a dog, and they're like, yeah, but like cats are like quick, and they're like smarter than you think, and I was like, huh. Well, that's the thing. You I know, never I really told thought my that. mom that. I told my mom that she was like, well, think about it, JJ. Like the lion is the king of the jungle, and the oh, lion is technically a cat. That's and true. The, the highest a, a dog is going to get is a wolf, and I'm like. Yeah, all right, you just made it too complex. Like, <laughs> right. I, I'm going to go with dogs. <laughs> you get a headache thinking about these questions if you overthink them. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Well, but I mean, you know, it's, it's for them to get to know you. Yeah, it, it is. It's crazy some of the things they come up. Uh, we we put one player on the spot where you like asked him real combine questions and we could only do it to one player because they were like offensive. Um, you know, it was like if you had to kill someone, would you do it, would you do it with a gun or a knife? So like the questions that they ask you guys are, are ridiculous. Um, yeah. Last one from our listeners. And this is not my opinion. I just want to let you know that they want to know, is it hard having the weakest mascot in all of sports? <laughs> I guess we would have liked the tree. <laughs> hey, um, 
no comment. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you didn't go to Stanford for the mascot, right? <laughs> exactly. You go. You go for the. You go for the name, but. I mean, hey, you, until you go to the game and see that dancing mascot on the sideline, you don't, you don't. You, I can see why you don't have much appreciation for it. Yeah, I want to ask personally, what's the tailgate scene like at Stanford? Because I've actually heard we have an office in San Francisco, and all the people out there are like, you got to come to a game at Stanford. It's so much livelier than you would expect. So I, obviously, you've been playing, so you haven't probably tailgated a whole lot. But what are the rumors mm-hmm. out there about the tailgate scene? It's a, uh, it's pretty fun. I mean, my mom obviously tells me about it. She said. You know, it's it's not like SEC country where you're going to get miles and miles of tailgates, but for the small patch of the tailgate area that we get, it's uh it's pretty live. You know, like obviously we get there, we get to the stadium like an hour or two before the game, so we don't see much of it. But from what I've heard, it you know for as small as it is, like it definitely fill it up, and you know they have a they have a great time. Nice. There's a rumor we might be making our way out there next season, so I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, the last thing we do, man, with all our guests is we play a word association game. So I just say a word, and we just want the first thing that comes to your mind. So we've only got five of them for you. You get it. You get all it pretty right. easy. So first word, first word for you is USC. Trojans. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to be cheating. All right. Uh, all right. Second one, Coach Shaw. Oh, father figure. There we go. Third one, Bryce Love. Fast. <laughs> Fourth one, UW. Tough. Yeah, and, one of the toughest teams. Yeah, I would not want to have to deal with Taylor Rapp. Like, they, I just, <laughs> not, not, definitely not at my age, but even like when I was your age, I wouldn't have wanted to mess with that dude. Uh, last one for you. This one's going back to your roots, Spain. Uh, home. Do you like, I was going to ask you that. We just kind of ran out of time. Do you consider Spain to be home? I consider both Spartanburg, South Carolina, and Spain to be home. I mean, you know, I was born I was born in Spain and, and I grew up in South Carolina, so I have roots and ties to both. Uh, you know, and I feel strongly about each, you know. So if you would have said if you would have said South Carolina, I would have said home too. I can't imagine two more different places <laughs> like then Oh yeah. And South Carolina's underrated. Like a lot of if people haven't been there, I'm a huge advocate. Like Charleston is one of the coolest places in the world that I've ever been. But Spain and South Carolina are, are very, very different. That's gotta be a culture shock. Oh yeah, for sure. It's there. It's very different, but you know, I'm I'm from both, so I'm used to the both different cultures. There we go, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, we got you on here short notice, and and you killed it. So thanks again, and we will be rooting for you, whether it's Thursday night or Friday night, whenever you hear your name called, man. We will. Uh, we, you got some new fans for sure. Uh, I really appreciate you guys help uh, get me on board with with the interview, and uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, for reaching out. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Have a great one. Thank you. All right, guys, that is our show for today. We'll be back Wednesday morning as Connor and I run through the news and notes for every team. The latest buzz we're hearing, all 32 teams we're going to rip through. It's going to be a fun show. Hopefully, we'll get to your draft on draft questions. And then Mello and I will be back Friday morning. Mello, Connor, and I, excuse me, will be back Friday morning getting you caught up as we will be one week away from the 2019 NFL drafts. Make sure you have subscribed to Stick to Football on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your shows. We'll give you new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. 